0: If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com. That's k o hyphen f i dot com forward slash alone, or you can go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com dot com forward slash support us to find out more. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I am here today with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's topic is well, the 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 actual episode is going to be titled something different, but Holly came up with this How to Wreck a Series <laughs> title, so um, interesting, and uh, we're, we're going to talk about th- ways that you break your your series or ways not to do, you know, yes, that. Yes, definitely <laughs> how
1: not to will be included yeah. in how.
0: <laughs> so uh, first, though, we're going to go over our weeks, and Holly had a slightly better, well, a very, very much better week than me, so <laughs> I'm going to go first. Yeah. Um, my my week was not bad uh it was just it it's been tough basically this week i had the notes from you and the notes from from matt who did my content edit and i have been going through and i had to separate you know the pages that are fine i have an entire storyline coming out um basically two subplots coming out and then a a big character change so it's, it's been an extreme week in highs and lows because I had the high of a new opener, which felt really, really great, especially the way that I kind of kept tweaking little things. Um, that was a lot of fun, but then you get the low of, you know, you cut all of this stuff and <laughs> yeah. you have to replace it with something. So I've been kind of trying to figure out the subplot that's going to have to replace the two that got cut. And I have to rewrite the main character who is in more than a third of the scenes Mm -hmm. so that she fits like a different, a different personality Um, because originally she really didn't have a personality because all of the shit was just piling on top of her. So I'm going to have to change that and it's just very frustrating. <laughs> Writing already has all of these highs and lows. But then when everything else in your life is, is getting fucked up, you know, then it, it tends to kind of extreme, you know, yeah. it, it just it, it hits different extremes. So, but I'm dealing with everything and yeah, it's just... This week has been a mess. Holly, how has your week been?
1: Okay, well first I want to talk a little bit more about your week because I want to say that I did read the book and the main storyline made me laugh. It made me cry. It made me mad at one of the characters who really needed to have somebody be mad at her. And it just one part of it just fucking broke my heart and it was beautiful. So (sighs) I, I know that all of the rest of the stuff you're going through with this is a giant pain in the ass, but it's a really good damn book.
0: No, I appreciate so. that, but you're also my mom. It's like, yeah, well, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I might be your
1: mom, but I'm also somebody who reads a lot of stuff. And yeah. <laughs> this is a good story. Thank so you. anyway, my week uh, started out with one day completely blown and wasted because I had a great idea in the shower and decided to write it without outlining things first. Complete absolute waste, had to throw away every damn word. Uh, and then the second day I had a great day because I stuck to my, my, plan and I outlined the entire second book.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah,
1: that was and it was it was it is the process that I am developing for how to write a novel, how to revise a novel and how to write a series and I'm going to put some portion of each of these things or some some of it into each of these the parts that you would need for that part of the process. Yeah. Um because it's it's just big. It was it is has been game changing for me what I have discovered has allowed me to add a lot of depth to the books, uh, a lot of depth to the, the the story, to have a better idea of what my story sentences are. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just made it easier a lot, a lot easier to come up with the actual story and not put in all of the fluff and the junk that I end up throwing in in first drafts most of the time.
0: Yeah. Um, now, you said that your outline was more than a line for scene.
1: Yeah, it is a line for scene combined with, in this case um the hero's journey outline and Mm. so I am doing (laughs) doing each of those two things simultaneously going through it and uh it worked really well but I'm also figuring out ways to do the same thing for a romantic plot and the same thing for a mystery plot um and the same thing where you are doing the same the same sort of wild wacky brainstorming you do with line for scenes But then you are finding a way to fit it into something that will keep you a little bit more on track as you're writing the book. Yeah. So that I don't end up with any more Dead Man's Parties. Yeah. Yeah, because that was not fun. Uh, And then the rest of my week, um, I didn't hit any of my planned word counts, which uh, I was a little disappointed by. But I think um, the main problem with that is that I have discovered that before I can write then this book I absolutely must go through and do Matt's final revision on the other because there was stuff that changed in, in the edit, in his his reread edit, because he read it a second time and then found other stuff um, because I had changed stuff from the, the other thing and, and some of it didn't work. So yeah. I I have to have that done, which means that my idea of writing two books and then writing two more books over two 12-week months uh, and then doing all the revisions together is not going to work. I'm going to have to write and then revise for each book. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that was a little disappointing because I was thinking I saw a clear path to just, just doing this and having five books and going through and revising them all. And I do too much character changing and world building and stuff as I write to be able to keep hold all of that in my head
0: and and not miss things and mess things up, so yeah well it's 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 a process of you've never done this before and you have to learn what it is that's gonna work. so it yeah. shouldn't be that that disappointing. it's just it's you know you just gotta adjust as you go along because this is a completely new way of working for you,
1: yeah well, it was just the idea of having having in twenty four weeks four books written that was just so cool,
0: yeah, yeah, and, oh yeah, I bet yeah, and I mean, you could physically do it, but yeah. The rewrite process of that might be too much of a pain in the ass. The
1: the Yeah, the, the contemplating the revisions of four books back to back to back to back, doing a good revision on each one, um, and making sure that the story holds together, that's a big deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe that's something you can work towards for the next set of five books. Yeah. 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 So that was um both of our weeks. So let's go ahead and get into the topic which is basically how not to break your series. Basically. Something along that yeah. Yeah. So, um you actually texted me about this the other day. You were you were very passionate and very, oh my god, <laughs> we have to we have to do this and we have to do this like as soon as possible. <laughs> And you sent me the details and stuff. So let's go ahead and and define what you mean by, first of all, breaking a series and, you know, wrecking a series, whatever it was. Okay. Um, this came from some,
1: from a number of, of years of reading people's series and having it all come to a head with, with just one, no names are going to be named here, um, but where the character went from being somebody i absolutely loved in the first episode to being somebody i honestly don't care if the character died or not by the end of the series because everything that i loved about the character was broken or removed over the course of the books and it you know there were other good characters in it but in, in almost every case, the stuff that I loved about the characters just crashed. it got broken and destroyed and they became these other people and they weren't people that I liked. And it might be that they were this was what somebody else wanted to see. So mm-hmm. because I know I know that the I've been reading a lot of really, really you know popular fiction recently and, um, This could be something that some people want, but, uh, in the fixes, one of the things that we'll get to is how to, how to figure out what matters to your readers and not screw that up. Because as I, to not screw it up by understanding what it is your readers want. But before we do that, let's go ahead and talk a little bit
0: about the, the important things about writing a series. Well, this is the one thing that I wanted to mention, too, is that you you have continuously um, found, because this is looking back to 2008 even, there was uh, some mention of, or maybe it was 2009, 2010, somewhere around there. You were talking about a a very, a very specific, you gave a specific um, author in that particular course, mm-hmm. but you were discussing about how, she made certain promises and how she had a very cool like ability and then as the books went on the the character kind of broke all of the rules that had been set up in the first book and and morphed into something that doesn't fit right so this has been something that you've been really kind of you've had your eyes on this for a very long time and you've been trying to to show people, okay, well, this is why certain things don't necessarily work.
1: Mm-hmm. It just, it just came to a head, and I realized that this is something that a lot of writers, including a lot of really, really good writers, just don't get. And so let's start with to write a series. Um, you have to create a character readers love, or one they love to hate, or both. Um I'm thinking of the Sherlock Holmes series where where readers loved Sherlock Holmes and they loved Watson. Or sometimes they loved Watson and they kind of liked Sherlock Holmes and they hated Moriarty. Mm-hmm. And this, the entire arc of the series was based on having Sherlock Holmes brilliant his way through, having Watson... Be this guy who interpreted all of this brilliance in sort of fanboy fashion, and having Moriarty be just amazingly evil, in astonishing ways, and and Holmes right up until the moment where he killed, or um, sorry, um. Author's name, I just had it. The author had had this nailed until he killed Holmes by throwing him <sighs> off a cliff.
0: You're killing me here. I can't believe I don't remember it either. What the hell?
1: Yeah, I know. Um
0: A shared brain fart. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, everybody
1: knows the author of the Sherlock, yeah. Sherlock Holmes series, so you guys could just look that up. Because or just I, sit
0: there laughing and mocking us while we, yeah. don't, while we have both had the brain fart moment. Just completely
1: blanked out on it. Um, so then, after you have created your character that you love, And, and you really need to love the character to write it well. And I, I think it was pretty obvious that the, the author loved Watson and admired Holmes and created a genuinely good villain with Moriarty. But then once you have these characters, you have two options as a series writer. The first is to hold them in stasis. Um, The best example I can think of that that everybody knows is Agatha Christie's Miss Marple, who was the same character, and I think the same age through about 100 books. (laughs) Um, She was pretty much always in St. Mary Mead, um, and when she wasn't, she was still the same person, and she was her own walking crime wave but
0: yeah well that's that's like watching the Angela Lansbury show murder she wrote mm-hmm. it's almost always in the same town and it's like how d- d- you know Angela Lansbury is a serial killer because yes. she's she, she's she, always there she's it's this small town there's how many freaking murders and deaths it's like yeah dear god why do people still live here yes
1: exactly it has like a, a, a 200% per year crime wave it's just yeah. a nightmare um but that's one option is to hold the character in stasis so that you don't ever break the character the other is to um grow or change the character consistency and the best example i have for that is Matt Scudder. um mm-hmm. and with that there are certain core elements about this character that remain true Even though he grows and changes, there are certain principles he holds that he will not break. And certain beliefs he holds that he will not abandon. And in spite of everything that happens, he remains true to this core part of himself as he goes through the series.
0: And those are... even the negative crap because he's um he cheated on his first wife with the hooker Elaine. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, many, many, many books and years later he marries Elaine, but he's still sleeping with the other girl. Mm-hmm. That it and it just that just drives me nuts. Yeah. Like t- Yeah. But I mean it's it's part of his character, so
1: Right. It is it is a part of showing that he is not a perfect person. Um it shows it in a way that I had kind of a hard time accepting but um the other one was the robert parker character spencer yeah spencer who uh he grew also grew and changed and got older and he his his consistent thing was just absolutely getting the crap beat out of himself in every book um he was he was a boxer he was he was this tough guy he was really really and and he had this integrity. Um, he started out having a whole bunch of girlfriends. He hit on everybody, and they all fell for him. And then he found apparently mm. when the author found somebody he fell in love with, um, he stopped. The character stopped sleeping around too, and he was faithful to her for the rest of his life. And, but there was this core of he was this tough guy, and he settled things with his fists. And no matter what else happened in the book there was that part of him that he remained true to. Yeah. Yeah, and he was, he was beautifully readable, and I loved those books. Yeah. So you have to know what matters about your character, and you have to know what matters to your character. And those elements you have to stay true to when you are writing an ongoing series, and you cannot ever abandon them without knowing that you are breaking the series. Um, so from that, you want to maintain then your series concept. Miss um, Marple was Solves Crime. Yeah. Uh, Robert Parker was Solves Crime and Rescues Some Woman. <laughs> um,
0: um, well, Lauren- l- l- let's look at... Um, the- <laughs> Try to find a different series because we always use the same ones. And yeah, if we use Block or Harry Potter or it, it. I I don't even know where to go with George R. R. Martin's uh Song of Fire and Ice. Right. I mean, dear God. Well, that kind <laughs> so of much fell much apart. On you, that. So yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't know. I would not. I, I definitely don't want to say if it did or did not fall apart. But
1: okay, right. It fell apart for me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But
0: <laughs> I, I, I just want to use because I mean we keep using the same examples right um and I kind of want to be able to step out and hit somebody else's examples maybe because if we keep using the same ones I don't know if all of our listeners have necessarily read these okay what is another series that
1: uh you loved that's why I'm using these as oh okay Terry Pratchett yeah see there you go okay he wrote probably the most disconnected series of series in the history of the world.
0: This is the Discworld series? Yeah, this is
1: the Discworld series where he had different continents and different characters and different themes and different... And it it was never the same book twice. It was never the same bunch of characters twice. It was always only the same world twice. And he was faithful to that world, man. He would set up something in one book that would, would show a piece of magic. And five or six books later, a different would come, character would come in, use that piece of magic differently, but it would still work. It would still tie back to the other book. He would bring in characters from, from 10 years ago and drop them into a new book with other characters in a different place, doing different things. I'm thinking of Rincewind, who is this magician who... Um, He got dropped off on the continent at one point and then got picked up a couple of years later in a different place with a different situation. Um, There was the walking luggage that uh, was his, that followed him around and was also sort of a weapon because it would attack things with its many, 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 many feet. Oh Um, my God,
0: that sounds amazing.
1: It was brilliant books, brilliant, hilarious. And he always had something to say. And it was always well tucked away it was never preachy ever he never ever ever was preachy about anything but yeah. man could he nail a theme and it was it was stuff like um you know be kind to your neighbors or um yeah. you know the the post
0: office it could be a villain or, um, just I was just thinking, like, don't litter, like, it could just be something like that. Yeah, but now with this, this sounds like this is maintaining a series on the ultimate hard oh. level, as you like to say,
1: dude. Dude, this is this is playing an ultimate hard mode, um, with a million piece puzzle, and he just he nailed it. It's, uh, he is. One of my favorite writers of all time. He was not one of my influential writers of all time because I'm just not that good, goddammit. Um,
0: but going back to the point of the, the actual episode, though, with yeah. this, is he maintained the character continuity, mm-hmm. he maintained the point of the Discworld series, and the continuity within the limitations of the Discworld series. Right, right. He never broke the fact that this
1: was a, a flat world Floating on the back of a turtle, floating on the uh, who was carried on the backs of four elephants in space.
0: Yeah, but within the characters, so they all had they they never broke any of the magic previously set up Mm -mm. or. Okay, so that's pretty cool. And there were,
1: if you read the story book, the stories in order, and I think Amazon has a really good list of the order.
0: mm -hmm. It is
1: actually actually as impossible as it seems a sequential series he he follows the sequence even though he is in different places with different characters he never drops somebody they might show up seven books later doing something completely different but it still ties into where you last saw him
0: yeah it was mind-boggling i I would love to see his tracking but that's that's completely you know different um So let's repeat what you've said. So the first part is. Okay. You create a
1: character that readers love or one they hate or both. You either hold these characters in stasis or you change and grow them consistently. Uh, And Pratchett was a change and grow consistently guy. God, so, of
0: course he was. Of Let's course, just no. So <laughs> keep adding more difficulty. Um, so yeah. part two is working out, what was it? Recognizing the core elements.
1: No, the, and then you maintain your series concept. Ah, that was it. Okay. Right. Okay. So, so once you have that set up, and that is basically something that you determine when you are inventing the series, you decide what kind of characters you want to have and who the characters are, you decide whether it's going to be a stasis sort of series or a change-and-grow kind of series, and then you figure out the series concept. Um, now let's
0: go through examples with some of your books. Okay. Um, let's let's first take um, the one that didn't sell very well, Sympathy for the Devil and That Entire World. What was the core concept? Okay, the
1: core concept of that... Was uh, one nurse got really pissed off at God for the for hell, and said, "How can you possibly be, you know? How can you claim to love your children if you condemn them to hell forever?" And she requested of God in absolute sincerity that He eliminate hell. And so He decided, since she was in North Carolina, to do a little test case for her. Uh, by releasing uh, like 250,000 devils demons and assorted imps yeah. in north carolina they had a couple of rules they weren't allowed to hurt anybody um, but they could do all the tempting they wanted they could they could tempt anybody into condemning condemning being condemned to hell but uh, they couldn't actually cause physical harm um, they they there were i don't i don't remember the rules right now
0: that's fine. It's just about yeah. the core concept of the series, because you had the three books in this. Right, right. And
1: um, in the, the first one was about her standing up and facing off with God and saying, OK, damn it, you know, you need to do better. And God saying, OK,
0: let's try this out. <laughs> so as far as a core concept goes for Caden Strake, let me try to see if I can figure this one out so she is a basically a space pi Mm -hmm. that's that's how you go about it and her character core concept is struggling with um her relationship with her mother the the (laughs) very complex issues she has not just mom issues but uh the multiple dad slash zero dad issues Mm -hmm. um And losing her best friend, which never going to forgive you for that. Um, (laughs) and it's, it's, there's always something going on. Now, was the core concept for the Longview series different?
1: Yes. The core concept for the Longview series was, um, what if, what if in the far future, slavery is not just legal but mandatory in some portion of the universe and some human occupied human built portion of the universe
0: so that was the entire concept for Longview. was Mm -hmm. was this theme but with cadence drake was is there a theme in there nope
1: she was just supposed to be standalone episodes that did follow a she is a growing character um so she is a changeable character but uh each episode is stands alone, although there will be some things that happen in earlier episodes that pop into later episodes. Um, and I have yeah. the third book on that done and sitting on my hard drive, and I just don't have time to revise it yet. But it yeah. is done. Wishbone Conspiracy. But
0: that is that is very cool because you've got in, an example of the exact same world mm-hmm. where the writer gets to do two different things, which is one is a passion theme, and then the other is this fun P.I character in space mm-hmm. that it, there's also important stuff that happens and themes that happen within the books but there's yeah so it's it's nice to see that there's a way that you can do these different concepts within the same world it gives you a little bit more freedom as a writer whereas if if you tried to stick with something so fully, you know, fully engaged, no matter how many series you do in the same world or whatever, it could get stale. Right. So you have the option of doing all of these different things. Yeah.
1: And and you don't want to do all of these different things in one series, but if you have built a world, you can build every imaginable possible kind of series in that world as long as you just have a different group of characters to do it with.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's cool. So um as far as like the concept, how what are the key points for for writers if if they're wanting to build a concept or wanting to know what their concept is? How do they, how do they go through and figure out what their concept is?
1: You ask yourself what matters to me about w- this book. What what is my main character doing? Okay, with with Katie, uh, it is strictly she solves crime. With um the the Talon and. Hawksbar bar series and Redbird it would be um, what if there truly is a, an evil enemy government trying to overthrow your world and they're really or your your country and you're this small group of little warring idiot enemies who have way more in common than they realize and you need to fix your shit so that you don't get wiped out by these guys who genuinely hate you yeah, and um, with magic and cool and horses.
0: And... It seemed. It also seemed not like they hated them, but that they just saw that they were beneath them and they were controllable. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I was, mean, they were almost indifferent to them unless, you know, they they would rebel. But it was just like something else to conquer. Yawn. Mm-hmm. You know that, that I thought that indifferent attitude, that arrogance, was was really really cool it was um it, it fit along really well with everything else because the the core of that that not character but the core of that government mm-hmm. is is showing how important it is for these other two things to not to stop not getting along to just to, to start trying to fight it together yeah. because the arrogance and the indifferent nature of the enemy shows that it's been easy for them to take over things.
1: Right, right. And they have a long and and very successful history of taking over and then wiping out their enemies.
0: Yeah, so that that's talking about the character going back to the creating the enemy that you you like to to hate. Yes. But yeah, sorry. So let's get no on problem. to the to the next part.
1: Okay. So, um once you have those three elements in place, then you you look at your concept. So, I came up with just a goofy little concept to kind of do a demo here. If your concept is Greek gods are real and insane and one simple mortal figures out how to fight them, then don't make the mortal a god in the last episode so he can win. Okay. Ah, Define what is your core concept and then don't let your characters develop some cheat to win. Yeah. And yeah. that's big. That's big. That's huge. That's ginormous. And and so many writers, including really, really fucking good writers, miss this. Miss it can I hard. Use,
0: yeah. Can I use the book that I was writing as an example that sure. I am writing? Okay. Sure. So sometimes the cheat isn't even that you're giving the, the character too much power. And I realized this because you and Matt were talking to me about the book and Matt was was... This isn't even something that either of you came up with, Um, but it's all of these little things that you guys kept mentioning about different issues, and I had to take out a particular character entirely from the book because I realized um, she was my cheat.
1: Okay. Say Um, more like
0: that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that I, the main character is the one that has to solve this issue, Mm -hmm. this haunting. But I had a a cheat in the, you know, in a person because it was like, oh, well we'll just call this person in and the main character can help her, but the person themselves is the one that's going to draw the the villain out enough that the other person, not the main character, uh, can do her thing. And her thing is still there. Her thing is important. Oh, it's yeah. That particular thing is her battle. But the main character's job. Was to get the. The villain to that point. And I failed. Without noticing it. Because I had a cheat. In the form of magic. And I didn't think I was doing that. Because I solved the, the problem. <laughs> through not magic. Right. But. Uh, it so sometimes, sometimes your cheat isn't even the your mortal becomes a Greek god or a god in general. It's it, sometimes it can be like, how did you not let the main character be the the strength in this case? Yep. It, it's so important for me to have her, not have magical powers, but still solve these things. Uh And yet her way of solving this was to call somebody with magical powers in. (laughs) So I'm deleting Edna and Charlie will just have to figure it out herself. Awesome. Yes. Yes. I felt really good that I figured that one out by myself.
1: Nice.
0: Okay. So yeah, I, that that's, if if you guys are, are wondering, like it's not always you cheat by changing your character too much. It, can be a cheat by just giving somebody else the the role that your main character needs to needs to finish
1: <laughs> yeah an easy answer yeah 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 because it's you always have to make things hardest for your main character and, and you can never give them an easy out and and you can <laughs> you you can never just have somebody conveniently pop in to say oh well okay i'll do this part and yeah, well, and, and it wasn't
0: conveniently popping in for my book because no. I had set her up. I had established this one character, yes. but, um, yeah, still, so even if you don't give them a pop in, <laughs> they, they might need to be removed, but yeah, go ahead. So oh, okay,
1: uh, don't make them a God. Great. Right. Okay. So now let's talk to, about some things that you have to make sure you understand about your characters in relationship to your series and your reader and this speaks to what you want and not exactly to what your readers want because you can't appeal to everybody so you have to write what you want and then let the readers who want the same things you want find it sometimes you're just you're just thinking that you're going to get readers that you're not, and you don't understand what your readership is. Um, And you might find that people like your books who are completely different from the people that you thought would be, but they're going to be people who like what you like. With that convoluted thing said, um, you have to understand the relatability of your character. You ask, why would my reader want to be my character? And to answer that question, you say, you ask why would i want to be my character what specific thing about it that that i am writing makes me want to be this person so much yeah um i like to write take it beating and kick on keep on ticking characters
0: yeah your your characters are always very very tough and whether they're male or female, they're, uh-huh. they're very tough and they have moments of, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, uh-huh. but they always get through it. Yeah. They unless don't... they're Badger. Yeah,
1: well, they don't <laughs>
0: quit. Yes. yes. they don't quit. <laughs> I am
1: sorry about Badger. <laughs> that plays into the entire rest of, of this this long series that I wanted to write and maybe someday they'll take off and I'll be able to write again. But um, that's, there's just, I am sorry about Badger, but <laughs> sometimes you got to understand the enemy.
0: Yeah, I mean it fit and, and it really did work on that that huge, you know, level of, of you know, bigger than, than yeah. you writing. I didn't but- plan it. I didn't
1: want to write it. I was crying my eyes out as I was writing it and I knew what was happening. I was going to, I was trying to think of some other way to do it.
0: But I, I don't know what it is about Badger. Sometimes you just fall in love with these characters, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like, uh, there are certain characters that I absolutely love. I love Teddy from Bob's Burgers. Don't know why. I love Bill from uh, King of the Hill. Don't know why. Tony says, I just like the sad sacks. I just <laughs> I just like like the underdog, which I do. I love the underdog. I marry the underdog. But it's, and my team is an underdog in the NFL or was. So <laughs> it's you're you're looking at these characters that you absolutely love and badger badger had a lot of the things that you're talking about in this it would have been nice to see his growth mm-hmm. um it would have been really neat to to see that potential in their relationship and stuff but it was just all of these things that he did, the fact that he was so flashy and flamboyant and crazy looking. And then when he was his most vulnerable, you find out he's an albino. Mm-hmm. So there, there's just... it To me, that character, I was so crazy head over heels in love with that character that I'm still mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> but this is getting to one of those things where we need to digress. Yes. And, and yeah. So, so, but
1: so I was honest to the character... I was honest to both characters. I was honest to the world world building and I was honest to the rules that I set up that I could not break. And I had determined there were certain things that I had to do that I could not break. And when I lived by my own rules, Badger died.
0: Well, and that's part of what we're talking about is not cheating is not breaking your own rules. And you set up this limitation. And if you had gone back and tried to fix what had happened, um, Either you were going to break the limitations of your world or you were going to weaken the story mm-hmm. tremendously because it fit too well to what to what everything to the, to the world. And honestly, I think the part of the reason I'm so mad about it is because it was so well written. It was so fitting that 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 particular character didn't get buffied, but got joiced. It's just like <laughs> dead and gone. Not, this one ain't coming back. <laughs> so, yes. <clears throat> Yes. So what is next on that that level?
1: Okay. Why would my character worry about or why would my reader worry about or fear for my character? Why does the reader care? Okay, if you have somebody who can do everything and is perfect and mm-hmm. is brilliant and and no matter what happens in the book, this character just waltzes right through it without suffering or pain and is just this magical, indestructible being. How can your reader relate to that? How can your reader care about what happens to this character because this character is untouchable and there is no part of your reader's life that comes from there?
0: No. You're you're creating an invincible... (laughs) something that no matter what happens is so strong that it can take out. And there, there's a flip side to that too, is that creating the villain that always is one step ahead and you there's no rhyme or reason to it. Mm-hmm. Every single time the main character does something, the villain just automatically knows about it or is already there and set up. And, and th- making the omnipotent villain is just as annoying, yeah and and teeth grinding and frustrating as having this main character who is perfect and there are no stakes involved with with somebody who's invincible, right, right? It's just
1: if if the if there is no way without cheating that the main character can win, that's a cheat too. So, um, okay, so then, once we've looked at relatability, and the worry line, the thing that your reader needs to fear for your yeah, character. this is
0: this is something that Matt actually just brought up to me when he was talking about the revision or the the content edits. The worry line is an Ayn Rand thing, right? It's, I think so. Yeah, said, yeah, he said it was an what she called a an Ayn Rand thing, and the the worry line. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but from my understanding from Matt is that it's something that the reader knows that the main character does not. Bingo. Okay. Yeah, that's yes. cool. Yes.
1: And what what does your main character not see coming that your reader does? What is this thing that's happening that your reader starts getting hints of and then starts seeing and then the reader and then the, the character starts having to deal with pieces of it. And and then the reader is not one step ahead. The character is the person who is having to find this stuff out and work with it, but the reader understands that it's bigger than the character understands. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, um, that's having everybody on the ship uh, just taking this one little one one line scene, um, the main fuse on the gun, uh, on the the ship's main, gun snapped and burned out and that's just this one little little thing that nobody really sees it's it's told in omniscient view and then all of the characters have to deal with the fact that they're heading into something and they have lost the main fuse on the weapon and sooner or later they're going to need that weapon and the the reader knows but the characters don't know and the situation gets worse and worse because they're getting tighter and tighter into something that's building towards the moment when that thing is going to be a problem. And how are they going to deal with it when it's there? Yeah. And that's, yeah, okay, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask, if somebody buys a book, let's say like The Haunting of Ashburn Manor or whatever the Darcy Coates book is, any of Darcy Coates books, you, you buy one of The Haunting Of's, is a worry line kind of like, okay, well, I already know this house is haunted. But the main character doesn't. Mm-hmm. So that, that whole concept is a good example of a worry line right. in that, oh shit, something's going to go down and this character is, is happy, cheerful, moving into her brand new house that, that she can't wait to fix up. Right. It's
1: right. like, ah, yes. the honey,
0: that's not going to work. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs>
1: okay. That's if you have, if you show in the first scene, um, a government passing a, a law and the law is to help the really, really poor people by putting them on some sort of um, maintenance thing. Mm-hmm. But you, you then that's that seems like a good thing until you see that it was really to trap them in enslavement and keep them keep them locked in these these little. Areas where they can't leave because they have now been designated helpless and in need of help.
0: Yeah, and that is um, from your Longview series. That is from the Longview series, yes. Yeah, where people are, are trapped into basically like indentured servitude. Mm-hmm. And and because they're helpless and, you know, designated helpless and, and in need, they literally can't even leave the planet. Right. Legally. They, yeah, they can't change their status.
1: Everybody's status is hard-coded yeah, um, yeah the, the and it's the way the entire that one entire group of worlds works and that's what the long view while pretending to be working within the system is subverting.
0: Yeah, yeah, which I love <clears throat> but there's the, that that gigantic worry line of of the series mm-hmm. so that's that's really cool. So the worry line something that the writer, Can kind of come up with Mm -hmm. intentionally or unintentionally within within the series creation like if you're doing haunted houses or um, cryptid novels or something like that where the main character is going in completely oblivious then you just naturally have your worry line yeah
1: very nice okay so then the next thing is what price does your character pay for being who he or she is Um, and okay, I'll, let's, let's go with the, with Katie Drake. Okay. What does she pay? Okay. Cadence Drake's price that she pays for being who she is, is long and ongoing. Um, she loses her best friend because of who her mother was uh it's
0: also it's also partially for what she does is for a living too
1: oh yeah well yes her job because she's a pi yeah her job is incredibly dangerous and it puts not just her but the people who like her and help her in danger into the path of really big danger in a world where the dangers are really really big Mm -hmm. um where these are mortals fighting immortals and um yeah you know they can be dead and the 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 things that are coming after them will just keep coming. And throughout the entire series and even into uh, the Wishbone Conspiracy, that remains a problem. Uh, it's, it's a lessened problem because of Warpaint, but it's not a gone problem. And uh, there are other problems that have cropped up with the decrease in the first problem. Of the immortal enemy. That that yeah. there is always going to be something that pops up to fill a gap. There is so, always going to be a predator who moves into a niche that has been left open by the previous predator that has been mostly removed.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of like the, the which would you rather fight, the devil you know or the devil you don't. So mm-hmm. it's 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 really neat. Yeah. The um the series so let's let's hear how does he pay for his life for who he is okay um
1: you want to go with this one because it's been a while since I've read any of those
0: yeah okay um well first off he starts and he's got you know he's cheated on his wife he's an alcoholic he's moved out to the city he's so throughout the entire length of the the series, he ends up paying for all of his actions previously. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't have the kind of relationship he would want with his kids. He, because of his choice of quitting the force after a the young girl got killed by accident just off of a ricochet. Yeah, um, he doesn't have the money to help support his kids. He sends him sends his ex wife what he can, and they seem to have a decent enough relationship. Um, but obviously, you know, he can't even care for his, his kids the way he would want to. Yeah. So eventually... He's eventually an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. He's... but it, it, uh, Going on the one thing with the kids first right. is, okay. is that eventually the wife remarries. They have a good relationship with the father, with the stepfather. They end up moving. The kids go to school, go to college, become these other people. And he, he doesn't know them yeah. anymore. He, he sends them gifts. He talks to them. He knows one of them's married, but he doesn't know them. So that's one way he pays the alcoholism. It becomes so bad that he, you know, is having seizures. He's in the hospital. He, he ends up having to go through rehab a couple of times and, and AA, and he becomes stronger, I think, because he fought the alcoholism and won but it it has given him this vulnerability and weakness that is always there. Yeah. He is a sober alcoholic. He he acknowledges this. He hasn't had a drink in a while. I don't know if he's going to pick a, pick one up again. I don't because, you know, th- that is constant. That's he a worry is, line. Yeah, for, for him. Well, yes. Yeah, for for him he's but it's it's kind of, the reader doesn't know anything extra about this. Mm-hmm. The reader doesn't know anything extra that he doesn't know. We, we know that that's always there because right. he's constantly going to, to AA. He's, it's always in his head. His best friend is an alcoholic, so.
1: <laughs> right, so there's always that temptation. But with every new book, you see a situation come in that could be the thing to push him over. Yes. And so from there from that and from the way that block structures his books you can see a problem coming and now you have the understanding that this could be the thing that does it.
0: Yeah, but I think he I don't know. I think he has that that same knowledge as that anything could could potentially do that, but the 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 fact that I mean he pays for who he is in a lot of ways is he eventually has to to get a job in order to make the income that he wants in order to grow as a person Mm -hmm. he doesn't necessarily want to do it but he he does he has to deal with the fact that Elaine, who has been financially smart her entire hooking career, has <laughs> a lot of money and can pay for everything, and he doesn't like that. It's not that he, she can't have the money. It's that he doesn't want to be taken care of, basically. Right. Um, but he... he I, I, I see all of these little ways that he pays for who he is in in subtle and realistic ways. These are These are real-life situations. You know he's he's getting older. He he can't fight the way that he used to because right. he would yeah. And he's also more vulnerable to loss as he has gotten older and started going to double A, double A, double A. Yes, <laughs> has started going to AA, and is lo- is now losing friends. Friends are you know dying of of different issues. Yeah. So because yeah.
1: when you have them then you can lose them. <coughs>
0: yeah, not a big yeah. problem. Yeah, when you care first... about something other than alcohol then then you know you y- you're putting so much on these other people. Yeah. as being so important to you and then they die and then yeah, so that's another way that that a character pays for what they what they did but a real life example sort of as opposed to a sci-fi example.
1: Exactly. That's a really good example. So let's go with that. And then let's go to the next thing, which is what benefit does the character reap for being who they are? Um, Okay, with this one, you, you really, really need to know the answer to this. And for this, Katie gets to keep on finding and fixing parts of the universe that she couldn't fix in her own life. Yeah. It is this driven obsession that, that she lost things she cannot replace. She lost family. She lost uh, her first love and her best mm-hmm. friend. She lost um, the world that she wanted to live in. She lost so much. So now what drives her is that there is something she can do about it. She can find and fix some of these problems, not all of them, Not, they're never going to, she's never going to be able to fix everything, but there can there be some people that she can help. And so she takes their cases and through them, she gets to see somebody made whole as she can't be. And she gets to see some part of somebody's life made better, even though hers is still kind of waffling between pretty rough and just god awful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, with, with Scudder the the benefit is the the main benefit through each book is is he has the ability because he doesn't work for especially at first he doesn't or the cases he takes throughout all of the books he's not on record he's not he doesn't have to fill out paperwork as far as like police procedures <laughs> he he has a certain amount of wiggle room of course he one of the detractions from this is that he doesn't have the manpower. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have all of the available resources that can help him solve these cases. So as, as a benefit to, to all of this stuff though, he can work under the, under the, the visible, under the radar. He's stronger in so many ways because he's got this mental clarity as he has, you know, a dropped off the the alcoholism he's he's picked up the more of a mental clarity you know he could still solve under alcohol but there's just a a different level of benefit to this stuff he's also widened his range of friends Mm -hmm. and they that means that he has more contacts that means he has more abilities and he always solves these cases that the police could not. Sometimes cases that were decades and decades old, mm-hmm. because he has this tenacity, even from the very beginning of they, he continuously likens it to a dog with a bone. And that is how Scudder is. Yeah.
1: And, and and he does have the advantage too of, not being able to be pulled off of something, you know, yeah. that, that nobody, nobody above him can say, okay, well, um, we've put as much manpower and as much time as we can into this. We're going to have to just set it aside and move on to something newer and gorier that's yeah. happening right now.
0: Yeah. You um, have more pressing cases right. and stuff. Yeah. Right. And, and with his limited, you know, overhead in the original books, and even to this day, because he married Elaine, who's financially solvent, with a more limited overhead, he doesn't need to get paid as much. He can take the cases that he wants. He he has his money and he can go, he, he doesn't also have to keep track of expenses. He just takes what he has and then kind of feels it out like, okay, well, I've probably put too much into this. Although if you read the books, you see he probably gets paid fucking pennies an hour. Yeah, basically, seriously. For how much he puts in. But it's, there's, there's a lot of benefits to who he is because he solves these cases. He makes other people's lives better. He makes other people's lives worse too, because he, you know, he catches these guys that have gotten away with things for a very, very long time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, at the, at the end of his day, he gets to sleep well at night knowing that he mattered. Yeah. And I think and that's the big thing that he gets out of it. Biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Is it, yeah, there, there's to, also, yeah go ahead. There's
0: also certain cases where he the the villain was going to get away with something and he takes care of the villain. Uh yes, he does. <laughs> there are two two books so far that I've read out of all uh, the 13 or 14 that I've read. Um and it's looking like this next one that I am just starting, he might have done it again. But <laughs> but there that, that sort of benefit also is that there are people that, that could have gotten away with it that did not. There, there's another book where somebody else takes care of a situation and mm-hmm. he looks the other way. These are benefits that he has because he's not in a system. He's yeah. Not these, these cases are not open cases that have paperwork. Nothing is traceable and the villain still gets what the villain deserves.
1: Yeah, it's a, that that little bit of off book is a yes. big deal. Yeah, yes.
0: All right, so what's the next thing?
1: Okay, the next thing is <laughs> just this. Set down your rules, and then don't break your own rules. Don't turn the hero into the villain. Don't allow for superpower escalation where somebody who is normal in the first book of the series is just freaking immortal and can do everything by the last book of the series and is you know is a god or godlike or something like that let's Um, actually
0: talk about that for a minute because you've got something called a a superpower creep that you were yes you kind of wanted to to talk on and she has mentioned this before many times over the many years it is, not, it is not just one writer who does this. I have seen no. this in a
1: number of, of books where the writer thinks that the coolest thing he or she can do is to give this character a little more power with each book. And, and if you are reading the book and you love the first one, you love that character. You love what that character can do. And all of the crap that character has to go through... Um, my Caden Strake's only quote unquote superpower is that as long as she can get to a medics in time she doesn't
0: die that's yeah, it that's, that's the entire universe yeah that's the that's whole everybody universe. in that entire series in the entire world that you've built except for the villains they found a cheat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because they're but, immortal, right. but yeah, she's. Right.
1: But she's, a, yeah, but but my my human beings are human beings, and she is just a pure human being. And uh, in the one instance where she had the opportunity to not be, she didn't take it. Um, and it's just the thing about her is that she just gets the crap beat out of her, but she doesn't stop. And if I change that by giving her super strength, or by giving her super intelligence, or by giving her some sort of of cheat in each book that made her a little stronger than she was the one before. By the time I was done writing the series, the reader who loved her in the first book would hate her in the last book, because she no longer has anything in common with us.
0: And there's nothing saying that you can't have your, your main character grow, and, and their powers sort of grow with them. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're taking a, a, let's say you're writing a a young adult series with a a teenager protagonist like Harry Potter, Mm -hmm. where he comes in and he has no magic ability whatsoever. And then by the very last book, he has a lot of power, but it's still, there's still the same limitations that are set in the original book. It's just he, he has become adept. Right. And that was using the entire the magic. core of the book. Yes. Was yes.
1: that that was the the reason the series existed was to show somebody getting magic.
0: Yeah. And, and learning magic, right. defeating a bad guy that already had all of this skill but but was weak and and growing and there was th- so so that is a, an example a good example of a character whose magic grows organically naturally through a lot of of skill a lot of application a Mm -hmm. lot of learning and not enough learning for Hermione's tastes but you know he he still (laughs) learns how to use his powers yeah
1: but but when you are doing something like that where you are giving somebody superpowers that has to be the point of the series that, that, is, that can be the only point of the series is that they are acquiring superpowers over time in order to deal with something that would otherwise be undealable with. That's yeah, a, like it's
0: a, if, if, if it's a, a YA and you have a, a teenager who is just starting to learn magic and there's all of these weird cases outside in, in her world and as she learns she helps se- solve the cases... Mm-hmm. And and handle the weird situations there, then then she can grow organically. But again, it has to fit within the limitations of your world. Right. It it can't be this. So let's let's go on with a character. Let's create a character. So we're not using any writers' examples. Right. And do this poorly. Okay. Um. All right.
1: So we're we've got what what's just bounce some ideas back and forth with me on the world building. We've got a character who has. No powers. What's the world like? Um, well,
0: let's let's say that it is. Um, well, okay. So uh, there are people who have in Harry Potter. Let's say that she did it wrong. Okay. There are people that have no power whatsoever. There are people that have power. The, the people mm-hmm. who have no power whatsoever are squibs. You know, they, they don't have any magical ability, but they can try to use... The magic, but the rule is that a squib is never going to be as powerful as a a magic born, right? Somebody with a lineage, yeah. yeah, right. Well, it, even that's that's the thing about the janitor there. I forget his name, but he had this lineage of magic born, and he was born a squib. He has no power whatsoever except for you know, he can buy a wand, he can try little things, mm-hmm. but so. Let's say that you take a squib and then, you know, um, he just somebody puts a spell on him and and now he has powers that would break it. Right. And then by the next book, he he, you know, can can cast a spell on himself to make himself uh, immortal to gunshots. Oh, there you go. That's that's the thing right there. The character
1: can cast a spell on himself. He can use it. It's like what you're looking at is having a magic step or having two of them and you can climb through air by lifting a magic step and then picking up the other magic step and standing on the magic step and putting the other magic step on top of it and standing on that magic step it's just a cheat all the way from bottom to top nobody Anytime has to using, earn
0: it yeah exactly there's no earning it's just oh, okay well I'm going to use magic to solve it it's like reading a book um, where there are certain limitations that the character has and mid midway or maybe during the climax or right before the climax the author didn't know how to solve the problem using the limitations mm-hmm. so they they the character stumbles on a magic ring yeah. or the the character stumbles into this cave that imbues them with the exact right magic for the exact right amount of time even if they don't get to keep it permanently that they can solve this issue it's mm-hmm. or the deus ex machina where where the, the gods just come down and and solve the issue, right. The rule with magic, the rule with
1: science, the rule with anything that could be used as a cheat as a cheat, is that it has to cause more problems than it solves. And yeah, that... so if
0: they find that magic ring, yeah, I love the idea in um, the Hobbit and and Tolkien's work where, that magic ring gave the user an ability, but it basically turned the. It turned Smeagol into Gollum. Yeah. And it had this, this unnatural, uncanny, evil draw that was also ruining, you know. Uh, lives. lives in the world and. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It's. I mean, it, it had. In The Hobbit, it, it had a hold on. um. What's his name? Bilbo. Yeah, Bilbo. Thank you. It, yeah. It, that that continued throughout his entire life. He had this obsession with this ring. Yeah. That was very unnatural, and it, they they did a really cool job of it in the movie. That scared the shit out of me when when you know he he, he yes. wanted the ring. Yeah. Yes. Oh God! For for <laughs> this kid's uncle to do that to just it that was a powerful visual moment. Yeah. Of the unending eternal negative Yeah that it's scarred.
1: It's yeah. scarred bad. And and that was that was in fact one of the finer mo- moments in a very good rendition of the series. Yeah. Except for the four endings at the end.
0: Where yeah. oh, where
1: Bilbo <laughs> where Bilbo turned on Frodo yeah. because Frodo showed him the ring.
0: Yeah had he, the ring and, and but there was enough good in Bilbo still there uh-huh. that that he he pulled back he, he but you could see how much damage that that ring had done from such a short amount of time that 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 he had been involved in it. Yeah, and and it was scarring did, he, Bilbo. It was scarring yeah. Frodo,
1: who was carrying. And it
0: starts it. off. It starts off too in the same ways that Bilbo doesn't want to let the ring go. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to give it to Frodo. He doesn't, and and uh, Gandalf has to get scary as well Mm -hmm. to one of his closest friends yeah in order to it's that that kind of magic is cool yes because that that is a hell of a price to pay for for that that ring
1: yeah and the price and the thing that made bilbo magnificent was that he was the only one who had ever touched the ring who put it down voluntarily yeah. Even though, even though he had to be kind of growled at to do it, he still did it voluntarily. It was not taken from him.
0: Yeah. It, well, and then his love for his nephew pulled him back from doing something horrible. Yeah. When he, time. when he, yeah. Yeah. He could have had that ring and he, he just, oh God, I just, I love the depth of, of that kind of price of, of magic. Right. And that's what you kind of want. To, to do is is have those magic abilities have these incredible stakes involved mm-hmm. And Bilbo did not know that those stakes were in, involved when it came to the ring, but yeah. Frodo did and Frodo still still did what he did. yeah, which made him really
1: just incredibly courageous. Yeah and you know it was I, that was the thing about that series or that actually that one book the lord of the rings that was so compelling is that it was these little people with no superpowers whatsoever up against gods and monsters from start to finish yeah and they were still little people with no magic powers at the end of the thing and that's why that worked because magic was the enemy superpowers were the enemy
0: yeah and yeah, and it, it's it's fine if you don't want to make superpowers your enemy or or magic your enemy because right. I I definitely don't want to do that in Fulton Hills. No, but it's you've got to play with the fact that light can't exist without dark and dark can't exist. Um, well, dark can't exist without light. Yes. Dark, dark only exists without light, but we wouldn't know the definition of of either if, if there was just one. Right you know that it's 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 there's this symbiosis so there's there's the yin and the yang and then and then there's also the negative and the positive and you can't have one without the other right right and and
1: as you go through your series the thing that you have to hang on to is that the characters you bring us at the beginning the characters we fall in love with the characters that we are passionate about from the very start need to still be the same people on the inside and need to need to not have ever cheated on their way to the end
0: yeah yeah and if you if you're watching or reading um something like harry potter um scudder uh, the george r r martin series too if, if they don't die you see them grow <laughs> and that's one of the things that was that Is good in well-done fiction is that, yeah, the the characters can grow and evolve, but they're still the same basic person. They have the same, you know, convictions. They have the same, they might not have the same abilities. They might have changed their mind on certain topics. Mm -hmm. But it's all growth and it's, there's no just magic just popping out that, that fixes everything. Right right so was there something else there is a takeaway okay so i'm just going to remind you guys you can follow us on the socials that's at aia rwip on twitter that's alone in a room with invisible people on facebook alone with invisible people on instagram you can find our like all of the different episodes and everything on Alone with invisible people.com and of course come in join the forums talk about stuff if you have any questions if you really you know are passionate about this topic you can go into uh the hollieswritingclasses.com create your free account you get the free flash fiction course and the summer of fiction stuff and just come in there and and talk with us uh, we love seeing all of the new people coming in there and, yeah. and you know asking questions or getting involved don't forget we have the 10 minute timer challenge which is really it's it's awesome to see how many people are <laughs> are taking that on and and again it, you, you can customize it you can change it but it's just the basic area to get you started mm-hmm. and of course if you wanted to buy any of of Holly's courses classes ebooks anything like that you can go to hollyswritingclasses.com, but she does prefer that you buy it from the affiliate links on alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. The, we've got, you know, a whole page on that. You can go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com forward slash support us to find out more. The affiliate links don't cost you any, you know, there's no extra charge or anything like that. It just splits the the It helps cost Becky of the get course. paid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it it helps me get paid for the podcast. (laughs) Um, But again, you know, you you can also be an affiliate if you would like. We would love that. Uh, You can just go to hollyswritingclasses.com to find out more. And you can even be an affiliate for the free course. I mean, literally just create your own link or the system creates your link for you. And then just share the free course. Tell people about it. So, yeah, yeah, and if you want to help us out and you have no funds to do so, just share the podcast. We, we love new listeners we, we we can't be found without you know without you guys listening and and sharing and, yeah. and enjoying so and <laughs> yes yes and when you come in say hey I'm new yeah <laughs> yeah let us know yes. that you you know I mean I, we we know the forums well enough that we we kind of know oh hey there's a new person yeah we but you know. if you yeah, yeah, just just come in and say hey, I like the podcast, or hey, I've been listening to the podcast. I'm new here. That way, we can get, give you kind of like a little shout out, like hey, how are you? Nice yes. to see you. Thanks for joining. Um, but yeah, so what is the takeaway for this episode? Okay, this is kind. Is
1: this requires a little work on your part, but it's very, 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 very important. With even more varies than that, um, you must know what your readers like about your series. And the only way you can do this is to ask them. So you need to have a way in every single book you put out for your readers to contact you. Uh, I recommend an email address. I recommend a web page. I recommend putting setting up a little mailing list. And I think people you, have uh, Facebook and, and other social media
0: places too, or a blog.
1: Oh yeah, social media. I don't really think about because I'm not on it except for my little Instagram account. But I do have a blog, and my blog was the way that I talked to my readers and asked them about my books. What do you like? What are your questions? What kind of things would you like to see next? Now I use my mailing list, and. You can set up a cheap survey and the question you ask, if you set up a survey, you don't ask specific questions like, well, um, what do you really like, which, which do you like more about the character? The fact that she has red hair, the fact that she is, uh, she tells jokes or the fact that she uh, does this one other, she dresses all in punk. Um, you don't do that. Because then you are assuming that you know what they like. And believe me, you don't know what they like. You're, you are putting in the things that you like that you think they should like.
0: Mm-hmm. If
1: you just say, what do you like about my main character? Give them as many words as they can possibly think up to tell you. And then listen and look for comments and similarities. Well, I really like the fact that Caden Strait gets her ass kicked repeatedly, but she doesn't quit. Okay. And I have had that comment from a whole bunch of different people. Um, I I really like the fact that she's multiracial, but she doesn't make a big deal about it. I have had many, many, many people tell me that that mattered to them. Um, Mm -hmm that that I really like the fact that you have a whole bunch of gender stuff in that series like gender flipping and all of these things where people can be either gender they can be both of them and some of them are all of them and that but that you don't make a big deal about it and you know and that was another of the things that I was not anticipating people saying well really this thing was a big deal for me yeah and you don't you think you know you know, you think you know what the characters are going to like. This, this this really readers are huh? going to like. Yeah, yeah, the, what readers. the readers are going to like. Yes, yeah. that your readers are going to like is that that I was thinking. Well, that she's this tough girl and she gets her ass kicked a lot, but that she's smart and she's persistent. And that was the thing. That was the only thing I really thought people were hooking into on that series turns out not so much turns out they really like badger a lot better than they were int- i was anticipating too
0: yeah yeah i'm not surprised there but there's there's i mean as a writer it's like yeah you could go old school you could never talk to your readers you could mm-hmm. not read reviews because you know they they didn't exist back then and you could keep writing what you're writing and and yeah you can still get it right there, mm-hmm. There's no there's no guarantee that that you know you're not gonna get it right if you don't talk to your authors. I mean your readers. But if if there is this ability for you to to talk to the people who love your stories not only is that a benefit to you it's a benefit to them they get to tell the writer of their favorite or or one of their favorite stories or the stories that they love they get to talk to the author and tell them i love this thing that you're doing please don't ever stop and if enough people tell them tell the writer that then yeah okay maybe maybe they'll always keep this one particular character You know this one squib without magic who just really really keeps trying and and despite everything still keeps you know winning his little his side story or his main story i'm just using harry potter as the example that's a good example but yeah if 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 The person, if the writer who is writing this knows that it is incredibly important to most of the readers of that story that this person stays somebody who can't ever achieve Harry Potter level magic, but is still always trying to, trying to learn magic and is still always defeating whatever antagonist they have despite having these limitations, then as a reader you're likely going to continue to read the stories that you love while watching the character grow but not not cheat and as a writer you know what's important to the people who are paying your bills who are buying your books and who are telling you how much they love it and and who are supporting your ability to continue to write in the same world that you absolutely fucking love
1: yes yes so that 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 is a huge takeaway because it is not the easiest thing to do. It's you start with not very many readers, but with every reader you get, take the time to ask, why did this what did you like about this book? What matters to you? What what would you like to see in the future? Now, you don't let them tell you what to plot, but you you can <laughs> because, you know, everybody thinks they know what they want. And the only person who can really know what you want for your character is you. And you don't change what matters about the character to you. You find the readers who share what matters about the character to
0: you. Yeah. Well, I think that there's a lot of, um, if, if you look at Stranger Things season one and Stranger Things season two, you can get a really good example of people who didn't quite know where the story was going to go after this who were not expecting this to be such a ginormous hit right and then listening to the things that their people that the fans loved Mm -hmm. and then going a little overboard when it came to trying to appease these things fan service yeah it was a fan service kind of thing and it kind of it didn't outright break any of the characters, but it you, you, you can't give a reader what they want because the reader doesn't always know what they want. Right. If if they really want these two characters to get together and it happens and then it falls it, it, it's maybe it's not as good as they thought. Rachel and what's his name um, from Friends is, is a good example. Yeah. The, Ross. Rachel right. and Ross oh, from Friends. Yeah. Um, they, I just didn't like the way they did that. No. But if if you look at Stranger Things, everybody loved Hop, sher- the sheriff, but they loved him because he was this gruff guy who who had kind of this emotional blackness, but still cared about the kids. Mm-hmm. And then they made him kind of a teddy bear. Um, they loved the idea that um, the one teenager that the boyfriend um, that turned on his girlfriend that had that bad moment and and they they loved the fact that he was kind of he was good to the kids too there at the end Mm -hmm. but they went overboard and made him like the mom like you can see all the memes making fun of it and some people genuinely loved it and I'm not saying that that your readers won't but you don't want to get too far into trying to give all of the readers what they want because you you have the, you run the risk of breaking things. Right. The objective here is to write the series you want to write but not to break
1: the characters they love. Yeah. And so you don't take story ideas. You don't take, gee, I wish this could happen. But if somebody says, well, I really love the fact that this character never quits, then you don't break that. If they will tell you, I really love the fact that this character um, always always manages to make it through, but has such a hard time doing it. You you and 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 if you get a lot of feedback on that, and that's core, you you don't break that.
0: Yeah, it's it, there is a delicate oh, balance that's a between. Fine line. <laughs> yeah, and and it's it's hard work. It really is. So. Again, any questions that you might have, anything like that, we are always there in the forums of a whole bunch of writers of different levels are in the forums to, to help give their opinions too. Um, just want to remind you guys that don't answer any of the questions in the podcast part uh, that says your questions or issues any, you know, it doesn't matter, no mods, no no people, no, just yep. don't answer those questions because those questions are for Holly and myself. Yep. But any of the other threads, go for it, answer unless it says for Holly. Yeah, um, that too. Because, yeah, that <laughs> is just specifically for her. Um, yeah, so I guess that that is it for today. I hope that you guys have gotten a lot out of this episode. It's It was a really important one for Holly, and it's a really important one in general. I know that we have covered bits and pieces here and there in some of the older episodes. Yeah. But devoting an entire an entire episode to this was such a clear outline of your steps and everything well, we I, had, I feel like that's important.
1: Yeah, we had just gone over, you know, how to how to do a series basically. And in a previous episode, not that long ago. Well we went over series versus um yeah. standalone. Right. And at yeah, the if point you guys where are, yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. At the point where I figured we were pitching series pretty hard in that episode. So yeah.
0: then I figured an important follow up would be yes, series, but don't break it.
1: Yeah. So here we are. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: important. <laughs> it, it really is. And it's it, no one ever said writing was easy. If they did, they lied or <laughs> they're not a very good writer or they're just wrong. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, if. If you guys have any questions, hit us up in the forums. I just want to say we love you guys. Uh, we cannot wait to see you guys uh, next week. And uh, we got a lot of cool stuff planned. So we're looking forward to, to seeing you, you guys next week. Holly? Get some words and have fun and trust your
1: muse to give you something interesting and just know that you can do this.